There is a lot going on right now. Amidst it, hashtag PassTheMikeYouth is committed to our mission of uplifting young voices. We believe that Black lives matter, and we will continue to amplify the experiences of Black youth and Black youth-serving professionals. If a student has an idea, we as teachers need to not only listen to their idea, but to encourage them to uh, enact that idea. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Hashtag Pass the Mic Youth. I am Nuera Nyota. I'm Luke Sheely. And I'm Mateen Ma'ani. This episode was recorded almost a month ago. There were a few delays, but we still think it holds a tremendous amount of value. It's the story of a teacher's experience connecting with his students during the coronavirus outbreak. Uh, my name is Sam Texera. Uh, I'm a teacher at the Henderson School. And the story of one of his former students. My name is Rebecca Francois. I am a rising sophomore at UMass Boston. And how the two of them work together to advocate for young people in Boston. Sam Taxera, known to many as Mr. Taxera, is a high school history teacher in Boston, Massachusetts. His school serves an urban and primarily black student population. When I was in um, elementary school, all the way through middle school, I went to schools that were urban, um, virtually exclusively students of color, black students when I was um, in DeKalb County Public Schools, which is right outside of Atlanta, working class. And then my family moved um, when I was in high school. And this was to a much more affluent, much more white suburb north of Atlanta uh, in North Fulton. And I saw the gap between the quality of education that I was getting in one community versus another in two very different public schools, but both public, which is important. And as I got older, I understood that that gap was not the result of poor teaching or anything like that, but simply so the reality of the social inequities and the lack of resources in one set of uh, school systems versus another. The unequal education that Sam Taxera received inspired him to pursue a career of teaching in urban schools, which he's been doing full-time for the last six years. If you walk into the classroom in Mr. Taxera, you'll see color everywhere. Flags line the upper portion of the walls and are a representation of students' backgrounds. He strives to build relationships with students and encourages an interest in lifelong learning. When I think of the relationships I build with my students, um, I think of them in sort of two different columns. And one is the relationship I build with them as a teacher. Can this student comfortably come up to me and tell me that he or she doesn't understand something? Does this student um, feel comfortable to tell me that he or she needs help with organization? But then when I think about my role in, uh, relationally to students, uh, as far as just a mentor figure, being relatively young, I think that students uh, in some ways feel very comfortable to tell you about things that are going on in their lives. There are students who feel really comfortable with you socially. When you build relationships with students, you're really able to teach them beyond just the classroom. That, you know, there's this phrase that I, I love and I've heard it from my principal years ago and I, it's a very common uh, quotation or aphorism. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so that I think that when students see that you care about them and when there's a really important relationship that's built, they're more likely to just take advice. And one of the things that I think I've uh, done as a, as a teacher, and I think that most teachers do, is just share a bit of ourselves. As most students know, the classrooms of spring 2020 look different. Mr. Taxera now uses the online video platform Zoom to teach his students amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. 
The transition wasn't easy, and he remembers the last day he taught in his physical classroom. If I remember correctly, Trump had just declared a national emergency. The sort of shelter-in-place statewide order hadn't uh, been established yet in Massachusetts. That day, there was class, but it wasn't in the traditional sense. Students rotated from room to room, but everybody was talking about the virus. We were thinking about what long-term projects to give to students. I think the fact that we didn't know, the fact that this was indefinite, the fact that there were so many questions, as well as this growing pandemic, kind of created a lot of fear. And so I remember those conversations with students. Some of them had no clue what was going on. Some of them were crying. Some of them were confused. Uh, I remember ex- having to explain what flattened the curve meant. That day was different from any other school day, but the days following were even more so. Mr. Taxera's now online classroom had a much lower attendance rate. However, he understood that many of the students were likely dealing with bigger situations, such as helping care for siblings or providing additional income for their families. Many of his lessons became projects, and he geared his online class to be a place where students could explore a lifelong interest in the world. I think that learning does not just happen in the classroom. And I think that this has to this uh, pandemic has to really show us that or or does really show us that. And so, I mean, a lot of these are things that I would have encouraged them to do anyway. And I have been encouraging them to do anyway. But now it's sort of like more important. So learn to cook, cook a meal with your family, talk to a grandparent or a parent about something that they remember. Um, It might be going outside on a walk Uh, for our Zoom meeting to, to incentivize students. Uh, I even said, you know, let's do show and tell. And it might seem funny to you all because you all are 15 years old, but it makes it, it, it I think that it sort of elicits critical thinking. It, it shows us what's important to them. It forces them to think about um, things that they value. I think it teaches them collaboration and listening skills. And so I think that engagement has to look beyond um, academic content. The other thing that I've been doing, sorry, I just thought about this. Um, I've also been sending letters to students, um, handwritten, like snail mail. And I think that's important because very few of us get letters anymore. And I think that it's sort of like a lost art in our generation. And it's nice to just open the mail and see something other than a bill. And I think it just shows, um, one, that, you know, we as teachers care about our students. But then they're also reading. And I think that um, it's just another way of guaranteeing that they're doing some form of reading. Because obviously, if you get a letter from your teacher, you're probably going to open it up. Um, And so I've just been encouraging them to do things that um, would have sort of been a normal thing in our lives maybe 20, 30 years ago, but that our sort of technology age has changed. And so for many of our students, it's funny because while I do think that they're struggling during this, I also think that there's definitely a cohort of young people that's fine with this um, because they're so used to being online or on computers or on cell phones. Um, That's not the way I grew up. That's certainly not the way... I would raise my kids, but I think that there's there can be a benefit to that in some ways. And I think it's an important part of youth culture that we as adults have to recognize. One of the most important lessons that Mr. Taxera wants to leave students with is about how they can be activists in their own communities. Activism um, as a teacher is very, very, very important to me. I, I'm also a student um, at the University of Massachusetts, Boston. I'm getting my doctorate. And one of the things um, that I'm focused on in my, uh, this is my first year, but in my eventual dissertation work is how urban public schools can support student socio-political development. Um, and so one of the things I think that's important is that schools have to build a holistic culture of activism in order to get students involved. Um, I think that we often think of like civic engagement as something that happens in a particular class. And while that has some truth to it, one of the other things is that schools 
and communities and systems validate messages, um, civic messages, whether or not they intend to. And so if a student has an idea, we as teachers need to not only listen to their idea, but to encourage them to uh, enact that idea. Um, when I think about like uh, last year, my students were like infuriated because there was an incident in the bathroom and the bathroom upstairs was locked for everybody. And they didn't do it. It was like one set of students that were goofing off. Um, not a big deal, but the bathrooms had to be locked for a temporary period and students had to get permission to get let in. I told my students, write to the principal. And, you know, initially they kind of complained and I get it. That's the teenage thing to do. Um, but you really have to encourage students to like act when they see injustice in the school because injustice is sometimes intentional, but often, um, sort of systemic or often unintentional. And when students see things or feel that things are unjust, I think it's important to give them voice. And so whether it's like having them sit down and talk with the teacher about something that they're not happy with, going to the principal about an issue, bringing up issues that happen in our local community. One of his students who's taken that message and run with it is Rebecca Francois, who's a rising sophomore at the University of Massachusetts in Boston. I've been your run of the mills student up until COVID hit. I've always been involved in my community, but this is the first time that I've taken such an active approach to solving an issue. I realized that a lot of the things that I was seeing, a lot of the aid that I was seeing during COVID wasn't necessarily geared towards students. And the first thing that I noticed was when the bill got passed for the relief checks, the first $1,200, if you were a dependent, from your parents if you got claimed as a dependent you didn't get any aid and a lot of the kids that get claimed as dependents their parents aren't able to do anything for them even with the money that they were getting in kids were losing their jobs and they had no source of income my best friend's stepfather died and she was not working anymore and he was the one helping her financially and at that moment i remember getting a phone call in around like three in the afternoon and her just crying she's just like i don't know how i'm gonna do this i don't know how i'm gonna pay for school there's no way for me to get any financial aid and the hard thing was sometimes there are resources out there that we didn't even know about rebecca wanted to let city officials know about the problems that she was seeing she decided to write a formal email to her city councilwoman andrea campbell after speaking with other young students Rebecca texted her old high school history teacher, Mr. Taxera. Last week, I got a message from a student, and this student graduated in 2019. She's a great, she was always a great student. I had her in ninth grade and then in uh, 11th and 12th grade as well. And she texted me with regards to um, the crisis that's going on. I literally wrote him a text message and I just was just like, hey, we haven't talked to each other in a while, but I have this idea and I need your help to try to ground it in something. And let's see, I'll read it to you. She said, hi, Mr. Texera. I hope all is well with you. I don't want to bother you at this time, but I have a couple of questions I was hoping you could answer. So I told her to please ask and that she wasn't bothering me. And he was just like, just shoot. Let me know what you have right now and what you're trying to get to and we can work on it. And she said, I'm getting ready to write an email to Andrea Campbell. Andrea Campbell's our uh, city councilor from the district we live in and our school is in. I feel as though college students are suffering a lot from COVID-19 and a lot of the relief funds I'm hearing about um, aren't including them. They're a neglected demographic. I was wondering if you had any tips on the best way to present this argument. I wanted to reach out to some students that I know and I asked them to briefly tell me how COVID-19 has been affecting them and include them as part of my email um, in the end. 
They say there is strength in numbers, and I wanted to see and hear the need. I, I want her to see and hear the need for herself. So, you know, I texted her that she made me proud, and I texted her a bunch of um, information that I suggested she might go with and questions that I had for her. He told me, when I came to the idea, it was pretty general. He was just like, do not make this a don't make the idea too general and do not present her a problem without a blueprinted solution even if you don't have a solution that you can think of right now before you send the letter before you even write the letter think about things that could be set in place to better the idea so make sure that you write out the problem and that you also have peers that can vouch for the problem so he gave me the idea of bringing in other people's voices and making sure like at the end i was just like okay so can i just talk to her constituents and have some peers that i went to school with in high school some that i went to school with in college and just have them spread the message between their peers and find people within that group of answers that i was able to get back that live in the places that she represents so i was able to find her constituents that live in hyde park dorchester mattapan all the places that she represents and at the bottom of the letter i have two and i let her know that if she needs to see more i have more people that i could submit to her that are going through things like this so it was the technical stuff like how to make sure i adapt the format of the letter to something that matters to me and something that will seem valuable and will matter to andrea campbell so I'm not just presenting her with a problem, I'm presenting her with a problem and possible solutions. Besides reaching out to other local young people, Rebecca researched possible solutions. She realized that there were already some solutions out there, various nonprofit and governmental programs aimed at young people. However, Rebecca saw that those programs were not being advertised enough sometimes, and because of that, they weren't as effective as they could be. In her letter, she also discussed the importance of work experience for young people. Internships and entry-level work can provide new skills. The virus was causing those opportunities to be few and far between. Rebecca poured her energy into sending that email, hoping that her voice and the voices of her peers would be heard. After a short time of hearing nothing, she got a response. Andrea Campbell was grateful for the email and wanted to discuss next steps over a phone call. One of the first things Rebecca did was to text Mr. Texera. I sent him a text. I was like in all caps. I was like, I got a response. Oh my God. I was so excited and we talked about it and now I'm just figuring out what the next steps are to bring to the call. Again, we're coming, we're trying not just to come at Ms. Campbell with issues, but also bring along solutions and find out how it would look like on the municipal side what the municipal's response would be to some of these issues and how to create solid solutions for both the people and the city of Boston. It's really easy to think of young people as sort of disengaging at this point, and a lot of us, because we're in the home and it's really hard to be activist and to be involved from inside or it feels that way. Um, and it showed me that she's using her platform uh, and her, her voice to really center a demographic that she felt wasn't being represented, college students, 
Um, and I think it's really easy to think of a city like Boston as being one where young people are tra- you know, transient, they're here for a few years and they're not, but this was always her community um, and she is here. And so it made me proud because she's not my student and because when you teach young people to be activists and advocates, nobody stands in front of the room and says, you need to write to your member of Congress or your city councilor, this is important, do this. It has to sort of come from young people's own or anybody's own interest in a cause, um, their own sort of personal connection to it. In the coming days, Rebecca is planning to speak with Andrea Campbell and work with her to create and promote solutions to issues affecting youth during the COVID outbreak. Rebecca is grateful for Mr. Taxera's guidance both in and out of the classroom. I think Mr. Taxera is an amazing teacher. He is an amazing person and an all-around good mentor for anyone. And I think there are so many Mr. Taxeras out there that are teaching and that are helping students and that are creating these beautiful spaces for our ideas to take place and to form and to just have a mind of their own and create change. And I want to thank them so much, not just Mr. T to anyone that is like him, because I know plenty of teachers that do the work that he does beautifully. I just want to thank teachers in general. I think there are so many possibilities that students dream of that start in a classroom and that they are really superheroes. This story isn't just of one individual. Youth adult partnerships are vital for successful activism. Our teachers, mentors, and parents can push our ideas and connect us to resources we may need to accomplish our goals. This story was also years in the making. Rebecca knew Mr. Taxera and trusted him long before she decided to write to her representative and accordingly ask for his advice. While it may take time, fostering these important relationships is a necessary step in encouraging activism. It's an important piece of passing the mic to a generation and enabling them to change the world. so much for listening to today's episode of hashtag past the mic youth if you'd like to hear more stories of young activists visit pastthemikeyouth.com or check us out on social media at past the mic youth hashtag past the mic youth is a product of nc state extension but may not necessarily represent its views